Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If the title of this morning's message uh, seems pretty creative to you, as it frankly does to me, uh, then let me tell you in the interest of full disclosure that it has been used on countless occasions by pastors and other people of faith, and it is also the title of at least one song and two books that I know of. Uh, the most recent of which was uh, written not so long ago by the author Annie Lamott, who used it in part because she became a Christian at a time of rampant alcoholism, uh, drug abuse, and the pressures of single parenthood kind of all rolled into one, and yet learned how to say hallelujah anyway as she came to faith and began the journey of recovery. And so today I'm also using this title because I believe it expresses the sentiments of St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, in other words, to the Christians in the city of Rome when he says in that letter that because we have peace with God through Christ Jesus, we boast or we rejoice in our suffering. And on this day of the Holy Trinity, which includes the world's greatest father, the only perfect child, and the best spirit that will ever be poured into your life, all three of which are mentioned in this passage uh, today. I want to spend some time trying to figure out uh, what Paul is really saying here and whether it's uh, even realistic, at least from a human point of view, uh, to rejoice in the midst of circumstances uh, where it seems like it would be almost entirely impossible. In fact, I recall the words of the late Mother Teresa who famously said that, I know God will not give me more than I can handle, I just hope he doesn't trust me so much. <laughs> or you may recall the sign outside of the church uh, which said, this Sunday, what is suffering? And then underneath, come hear our choir. <laughs> Obviously not St. Andrew. But the fact is that there is a lot of suffering that goes on in this world, and uh, I have seen a lot of it myself, and you have too. In John chapter 16, Jesus, even Jesus said, in this world you have trouble. And uh, I've seen a lot of that trouble sometimes in my own world, but also in the worlds of the people that I have been called to be with and go through it and through it and through it year after year after year, because suffering and trial in one form or another comes to all of us sooner or later. It's inevitable. I mean, it's, it's just only a matter of time. And yet, you know, I'm one of those people that, you know, from time to time wants to say, you know, Lord, I know that a lot of people, you know, have to go through trials in order to get close to you, but you know, I'm different. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. And yet St. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, which he wrote after his letter to the Romans, he said, I've discovered the secret of being content in any and every situation. What is the secret? The secret is to rejoice in your sufferings, to boast in your sufferings. But what does that mean? How do you do that? And so the first thing I would say to you uh, about that is that when we rejoice in our sufferings, it doesn't really mean that we rejoice in our sufferings. 
It means that we rejoice in God in the midst of our sufferings. And so if you think that rejoicing in your life is just something reserved as a response for happy times and, and positive moments, get that out of your head. Because for St. Paul, rejoicing is something that happens in the midst of our circumstances and often in spite of our circumstances, including our suffering, our illness, our heartache, our loss, our tragedy. If you think that the goal of your life is to be happy, then I hate to tell you this, but suffering is going to destroy the purpose of your life and its meaning. But if the goal of your life is to rejoice in God, then I can tell you, you're good to go, come what may. Remember the words of St. Paul, this time to the Corinthians, where he writes to them and he says, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a day and a night in the open sea, I've been constantly on the move, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, danger from my fellow Jews, from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false believers, I've labored and toiled and gone without sleep, known hunger and thirst, been cold and naked, and besides all of that, I face the daily pressure of my concern for the church, and yet I will rejoice, I will boast in the things that show my weakness because they show the strength of the God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever. Rejoicing in your suffering doesn't mean rejoicing in your suffering. It means rejoicing in God in the midst of your suffering. And later on to the Corinthians, St. Paul says that, uh, you know, Jesus comforts us in our trouble. He doesn't say no trouble. He says there's got to be trouble, but he will be with us in the trouble. He says, I was struck down, but not destroyed. We are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And that is because rejoicing is a choice. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an involuntary response to good times or positive circumstances. As a matter of fact, rejoicing really isn't supposed to cover up or mask the feelings that we do naturally have in times of a hardship and trial and of suffering in our life. And so when suffering comes, I mean, you should say to God, you know, I, I am in big pain and I hate this but I'm crying out to you because I know that you get this. We had two funerals here at St. Andrew just in the last week. On both times, people were crying and they were praising God at the same time because the feelings come naturally, but rejoicing is a choice based on and in response to the perfect love of God which casts out fear. And so what I'd like to suggest to you, and even though this, this is hard, it's been hard for me to do uh, at various times along the way, is that when trial or suffering moves into your life, that as soon as you possibly can, start asking yourself the question, how am I going to glorify God through this moment? How am I going to rejoice in the midst of my trials and say, hallelujah, anyway, because at the cross, 
I know that Jesus gets this. He gets what I'm going through. And so I am making the choice to rejoice in him. Because when you do that, you may well discover that it can shape or alter the experience of your suffering. One of the most well-known preachers uh, in the entire world back in the late 19th uh, century was a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon uh, was a minister in England who served the same congregation in London for 38 years. I mean, you think you got it bad. 38 years. Uh, but about halfway through uh, the 1860s, uh, he wrote a devotion. And uh, his devotion included, includes these words. Spurgeon says, we would never know the music of the harp if the strings were left unstretched. Or enjoy the juice of the grape if they were not trodden in the press. Or discover the sweet scent of cinnamon if it were not pressed and beaten, or feel the warmth of the fire if the logs were not burned. The power and wisdom of God are discovered through the trials through which his vessels of mercy pass. And our present afflictions also tend to heighten our future joy, making peace sweeter after conflict and rest more welcome after hard work. Will not the remembrance of suffering past enhance the happiness of future glorified. St. Paul did it in a slightly different way when he said, we boast or we rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And so the question isn't just, you know, how am I going to glorify God in my trials? The question also is, how's going to God, God going to work through my trial and my suffering to draw me closer to him, to the sufficiency of his grace? so that I will learn how to say hallelujah anyway. Here's another thing. When you rejoice in your suffering, it doesn't just alter the experience of your suffering for you. It also has an impact on the experience of the other people around you. Today, we are just so thankful. You know, as we receive 37 new members into the life and ministry and the family of God here at St. Andrew through the course uh, of this day. And it makes me think of yet something else that Paul said in his writings, again to the Corinthians, when he talked about the church as a body of Christ, and he said, you know, we're individually members of the body, we're, we're individually parts of the body. And then remember what comes next? He says, when one member suffers, all suffer with them. When one rejoices, all rejoice with them. And what that says to me is that whatever I'm going through in my life, I'm not going through it alone when I'm part of the family of God. And you don't have to ever go through it alone. Because when you're part of a spiritual community, then you're part of a family that rejoices with you and when necessary, suffers with you. 
I have known people, and you have too, who have gone through horrific, hellish seasons and moments in their life. And I hear their voices saying over and over and over again, I have no idea what I would possibly do or how I could have possibly gone through this without my spiritual family to rejoice, to suffer with me, to help me say hallelujah anyway, and if necessary, to say it for me when I can't until the day comes when I can. That is the beautiful body of Christ. That is the family of God. And that is the pledge that we make to our new members and the, and the one that they make to all the rest of us here uh, today. Many of you I know are probably familiar with the name Johnny Erickson Tada, uh, who grew up actually in uh, nearby Baltimore and uh, will be celebrating her 70th birthday uh, later on this year. Uh, but of course, Johnny Erickson's life was changed back in 1967 when she was not yet 18 years old and she was involved in a swimming accident here in Maryland that left her paralyzed from the neck down. She has been in a wheelchair for more than 50 years, during which she has suffered from cancer twice. And when that accident happened in its immediate aftermath, uh, she said that you know, her emotions were completely upside down and her faith, in her words, was shipwrecked. She was numb, she was alone, and the only thing she wanted to do was die. She asked her friends to help her die, to come and cut her wrists, to bring a bottle of pills. And then in the midst of all of this, in her words, I began to, to figure that in some vague sort of way there had to be an answer for me somewhere between the pages of Holy Scripture, but I just didn't know where they were. And so she reached out to a friend of hers, a kid who was also a teenager at the time, but was also known as a lover of Jesus. And he comes to her. And he just listens to her pain. And he takes it, and he accepts it. And he doesn't argue it. He validates it. He cries with her. He helps her blow her nose. And she said, you know, he didn't bombard me with chapters and verses and 15 reasons why this has happened to me. He didn't pray these long, preachy prayers. And when, you know, I had questions that he could not answer, he didn't answer. He just talked about Jesus on the cross, and we talked about Jesus on the cross. And she said, as time passed, I began to experience the presence of God in the midst of my circumstances. I began to discover what it means to rejoice in my suffering. See, we, you can spend a lot of time asking why. Or you can start asking, you know, how's God going to work through this? How am I going to glorify God in the midst of it? And in Johnny Erickson Tata's case, you know, as days turned into weeks, into months, into years, into decades, what happened to her is that she became an author, a speaker, a singer, an artist, 
a radio talk show host, a founder of a number of organizations for the compassion of people, all of which are in the cause of Christ. And just a few months ago, she was you know, interviewed, and in her interview, she talked about the deeper healing of God in her life. And she said, and I love this, I hydroplane on the prayers of my brothers and sisters and the body of Christ. She said, again, and I quote her, without God, I couldn't do quadriplegia. And then remarkably, she said, I would rather be in this wheelchair with him than to stand on my feet without him. Here is a woman who has known unimaginable suffering. And yet she has turned it completely around and she uses it as a platform for rejoicing in the world's greatest father, the only perfect child and a more powerful spirit that will ever be poured into your life. So today we thank God for those who rejoice in our suffering and who teach us how to say hallelujah anyway. We give thanks to God for the fathers who are examples of faith, who point us to focus on Jesus and remind us that fellowship with him is the only thing that's ever going to last in the end into all eternity. We thank God for the new members who join us today with whom we are ready to rejoice and, when necessary, suffer in the sufficiency of God's grace. We give thanks to God today that rejoicing is not just a feeling. It is a choice, but it's a choice motivated by that perfect love of God which casts out all fear. And it makes a difference not only in the experience of our suffering, but in the experience of people around us. We give thanks to God today for Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. As Jesus comes to us, and he goes to the cross for us, so that we can live in the assurance that he gets it. He gets what we're going through. And in response to his grace, what you get is a whole new life with him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to rise as we join together in prayer.